Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and I'll be your guys. We explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. Water. Did you ever stop to think just how important water is to your everyday life? From health, sanitation, and nutrition to transportation, recreation, and cultural identity, water is just as important today as it has been for countless people for generations. Whether it's the Mississippi River, the Missouri River, or the endless list of rivers, creeks, ponds, lakes, and even fountains that dot Missouri's landscape, this series is all about water. So with that, let's dive right in to water and waterways. Our guest today is Loring Bullard. He holds a master's degree in natural and applied science from Missouri State University and is presently the watershed planning and grant assistant for the James River Basin Partnership. Previously, he serves as the executive director of Watershed Committee of the Ozarks. He is the author of several books, including Consider the Source, A History of the Springfield, Missouri Public Water Supply, Healing Waters, Missouri's Historic Mineral Springs and Spas, and Living Waters, the Springs of Missouri. Welcome to our Missouri, Loring. Good morning. Now, let's talk about the origins of this of these projects. Talk about the, the, the origins behind writing Healing Waters and Living Waters. Well, they're both about springs, and um, I um, have always been fascinated by springs. Um, in one of the books, I talk about my early experiences as a kid camping with my family at Bennett Springs. Uh, we grew up in uh, uh, central Missouri, and that was kind of a close place to go camping. And I just remember uh, walking up and looking at that spring and thinking like, oh, my gosh, it's just so it's so beautiful and it's so mysterious. All that water just kind of pouring out of the earth. You know, it just really fascinated me. And uh, then uh, my career was really in environmental science related topics. And so springs were always kind of a subject of study for me. We had uh, projects where we sampled springs and things like that. So I was always interested in them. Um, and then uh, I worked with the state on a book called The Springs of Green County. And um, one of the springs, it wasn't in Green County, uh, but it captured my attention, it was nearby was Ponce de Leon, which was a little tiny village down in Stone County. And um, I read that, you know, it was the largest city in Stone County at the turn of the century. And today there's like maybe 30 people living there. It's just a little tiny town. And I kind of was intrigued by the fact that so many people were attracted to that area. And it turned out that uh, the sort of the promoter or developer of Ponce de Leon was a guy in Springfield and he had a healing experience at a spring down there and he told people about it and then he started promoting this town as a spa town and of course the uh, uh, people flocked in you know they camped out in tents they built houses and stuff and started using this spring and that in turn I think is 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 really uh, sort of a nationwide trend that was going on at that time talking about you know, back in the 1880s, 
this tradition of healing springs and believing that springs could cure what ailed you, you know, kind of no matter what it was. And that in turn came over from Europe and it goes clear back to the, you know, 1300s in Europe. Um, the idea that the springs have sort of magical healing properties and, you know, you could, you could obtain uh, uh, health and long life by drinking them or bathing in them or putting them into potions and, you know, all kinds of things. And so that healing waters history, you know, goes way back. And, you know, that to me is a great part of the fascination is doing the research and kind of seeing what's behind these sort of large scale movements, you know, of people that um, are attracted to these, these kind of places. So. Now, as you're doing the research for both those books, and, and, and you mentioned the previous one as well, you know, are you visiting these sites? Are you reading documents? Are you going to archives? Where are you going to kind of build this narrative about this history? Uh, all of the above. Um, I, especially with the healing springs, a lot of those little towns like Ponce de Leon don't even exist anymore. And so um, what I tried to do is I tried to find as many as those, of those sites as I could. With the spring book, uh, the regular springs, um, you know, I tried to do a lot of site visits and talk to people that lived in the area as well. Uh, but most of those can at least be found. You know, you could you can track them down. It was really a wide range of, of things um, in terms of the research. I was really helped a lot by like the Missouri Historical Society, St. Louis Historical Society, and a lot of counties have historical societies um, like uh, the one in uh, Warrensburg, uh, Johnson County, I think it is, uh, that has a, ho a whole lot of information about Pertle Spring up there, which was a big uh, resort area at one time. What I usually would do also is um, see what there were, was in, written in county histories, and most counties have a history. A lot of them go back to, you know, the 1880s and 90s. They usually had some information, but I found very quickly that the county histories were not totally accurate a lot of times in the information that they, they had. And so what I would try to do is find someone in the community, and usually you can call like the city clerk of a, of a town. Uh, or maybe a mayor or someone like that and say, who in your community knows the local history? And it's really amazing how many uh, of these people you, you can uh, come across just by asking, who is it? And usually there's just one or a few, you know, in any town who kind of are the keepers of the history. And those people then can guide you to documents. They can often take you to the site. They can uh, a lot of times tell you personal experiences about this, you know, their interaction with these springs and things like that. So that a lot of times was sort of the best, uh, you know, way to start, at least, was to try to track down someone locally who had that, um, you know, kind of history in their mind. And um, then from there, you know, there was a lot of uh, uh, back and forth research at the libraries, um, you know, and most communities have a library with a pretty good history section. So 
Um, and I kind of delved into the Western Historical Manuscript Collection a little bit, uh, which was very helpful. The folks at the State Historical Society were very helpful in tracking down documents and uh, archive materials and uh, uh, images from the past, which as it turned out, were some of the hardest things to find on a lot of these, especially the old healing waters, this, you know, spa towns and things. Um, those were images of those places were very hard to find. Now to get back to, the, I guess, to the most basic, uh, for those who may not perhaps know, but what is a spring and, and why is spring water so significant in Missouri history? Well, you know, I, I think most people do they, they recognize a spring when they see it, uh, you know, and it's a pretty simple idea. A spring is a discrete point, you know, on the landscape where water comes out of the ground, you know, and um, people say, well, how many springs are there in Missouri? And you have to say, like, nobody knows, uh, really, because a spring can be anything from a little seep that flows right after a rain for a day, and then it's dry 90% of the time. Uh, to Big Spring, you know, the biggest spring in Missouri, one of the largest springs in the world. So we have uh, springs of all sizes and shapes, colors. We don't have any hot springs in Missouri, uh, but we do have some that are warmer than others. And uh, it's just an interesting uh, kind of a, a diversity of springs that we have in Missouri, which makes them really interesting. Why are they important to Missouri? Well, for a lot of reasons, the, the springs are uh, sustaining a lot of our waterways. A lot of our rivers and streams are fed by springs. And if not for springs, a lot of those creeks would be dry a lot of the year. So basically the life in the stream, the fish, the aquatic organisms, you know, are dependent on that spring water, uh, you know, for a lot of the year. They were important historically because they were settlement sites. A lot of towns and parks in Missouri were founded around springs because that was their, that was their water source. Um, and, you know, it was early water supplies. There were um, about 20 cities in Missouri, at least 20 cities in Missouri that used a spring as their public water supply for a period of time. Um, none of them do anymore except for Springfield far as I know, we still use a spring for part of our public water supply here. So, you know, springs were um, important for travel, uh, you know, the camping spots and rest stops and things on a lot of the old wagon roads were at springs where people could stop and camp and water their livestock. And, and so, you know, they're, they're, they were highly important, you know, at least to people uh, back in the day when we didn't have you know, the alternatives of, uh, you know, making water supplies out of the big rivers or, uh, you know, using groundwater and wells and things like that. So I argue in the book that, you know, they're still important, but, you know, people don't seem to feel that they're as important as they used to be. And, and because we don't directly rely on them like we did. But, but the fact is, they are still very important. And, you know, we need to be careful about how we uh, develop and how we use the land and, and how we farm and things to make sure we're not, you know, polluting that shallow groundwater in springs. You touched on it a little bit there at the beginning about kind of the healing components uh, of spring water and 
I have to admit, I did not realize that, that Missouri has no hot springs. That's something we often associate with the word spring and thinking of recreation and, and certainly with health. So since there are no hot springs in Missouri, how do people use spring water then as a healing component in their lives? Where did they seek that out and where did they go? Well, um, you look at uh, Excelsior Springs is a good example up by Kansas City. Uh, there were springs along the river uh, up there that uh, were developed into basically uh, spas. And people thought it was the mineral content of the springs that was the healing factor. You know, it wasn't the temperature, it was what was in the water, dissolved in the water, gases and, and solids. And, and a lot of the springs, you know, have a long laundry list of, of uh, mineral content that, that's in them. And they, the thought was that some of these minerals provided health benefits. You know, sulfur compounds made the spring smell like rotten eggs, but, you know, you hear this, you know, that People thought that the, the worse it smelled, the better medicine it was, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, springs do have, you know, some, some uh, qualities that can be helpful, you know, for digestion and things like that. Uh, but, you know, the promoters are the ones who kind of took it way beyond, you know, these basic kind of properties and, and were kind of touting all kinds of cures for everything under the sun. And just like today, and people trying to take vitamins and, you know, take, uh, uh, eat certain kinds of diets and things to improve their health. Well, back then people just thought that, you know, this was, that Springs provided that. And so it's not real surprising that people were seeking these out because the promoters were telling them, hey, if you've got this nervous condition, you know, go drink the water this spring and you'll be healed. Well, you know, we all want to believe we can be healed, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, they were very popular for a while in the, in the 19th century and in the 18th century and in Europe before that, uh, it was even uh, suggested by people in the medical profession that springs were healing. And so doctors would actually prescribe different springs for different kinds of treatments. So it's not an isolated case that, you know, a few people believed in this. There was pretty widespread belief that these uh, waters could actually cure you. Now, you mentioned there about, you know, some of these towns that you had to seek out because they no longer exist in and around those springs. So what brings about that decline? What, when does it happen and what, what are the contributing factors? Well, um, the, the decline started really about the uh, around 1900 for a lot of them. And there were some that were still going strong in the 1930s. You know, the big hall of waters at Excelsior Springs uh, was built with uh, uh, WPA money in the, in the 30s. And at that time, there was kind of revival of uh, belief that the, you know, these waters could heal. And they even had a polio pool up there where, you know, they would push uh, patrons into the pool for healing, you know, this warm uh, mineral laden water was thought maybe that would help, you know, cure polio and things. So it, it, it extended, you know, till fairly recent times in a, in a few places. I think it was a combination of factors. One was science and, you know, the, uh, the lack of scientific backup that these springs were actually curing a lot of these diseases. 
and the rise of sort of the, the mainstream medical profession from the days of being considered largely quacks back in the you know uh, early 1900s and late 1800s to uh, the discovery of antibiotics and various things that you know would help actually heal you know diseases and things and so there was a lot of uh, scoffing from the medical community about you know that these springs were all frauds and that you know they really didn't do anything uh, there were some big articles in the saturday evening post i think back in the probably the 20s or 30s that were basically trying to expose all these you know spas and, and spa doctors as frauds and quacks and things and so it, it just sort of turned the tide of public opinion against these 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 areas and and a lot of it too was kind of just the uh, the social aspects you know a lot of people went to the spas back in the day because it was the thing to do it was fashionable people went there and you know dressed up and you know had fine dinners and and played games and um you know they had horse races at a lot of these and pin bowling and all kinds of recreational things at these at these uh, places and the springs kind of you know, sort of shrank into the background in a lot of those. Um, I think about Montesano, which is north of or uh, south of St. Louis, around Kimswick. Uh, there was a healing spring up there, and they ended up building this huge entertainment area park, Montesano Park, around it, with rides, you know, roller coasters, and you know, uh, dances and dance pavilions, all kinds of things. And you know, the spring water was sort of a just a sort of a novelty, you know, at that point. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it, it's a long and complex history. And, um, you know, I don't think there's any one thing you could say, this is what uh, did them in, but, um, you know, uh, clean drinking water where people, you know, uh, began to be told that springs could be polluted and it wasn't necessarily a good idea just to drink out of springs without the water being treated. You know, all of those things kind of led to the demise of these resorts and, you know, abandonment of a lot of the sites in terms of, uh, you know, cities that disappeared. I mean, I found, I think, uh, about uh, 90 places in Missouri that had pretty significant resort kind of setups, you know, not always hotels, but at least some kind of accommodations for people who uh, were coming to seek out this, uh, uh, healing water at Climax Springs, Missouri. People even bathed in this subterranean uh, pool. In a, they climbed downstairs in a sinkhole and bathed underground, and uh, thought that that was a great uh, way to get you know healed. So you know, it, it, it's a very diverse uh, background, very diverse history. It's very interesting. That's why I wrote the book because it was very interesting to me. And, uh, you know, um, and I've gotten quite a few calls from people that uh, are, are looking for some of these old sites or know some history of them and um, kind of want to, um, you know, talk to me about uh, what I know about these sites. And so I'm always happy to talk to those people because, you know, I, I'm always learning about new things about some of these sites, too. So. Thinking about that, you talked about some of those kind of now long gone communities, and then you even mentioned active ones, talking about you know Springfield and its ties and its public water to the springs. 
you know, what are some communities that people might be surprised are closely connected to various springs in Missouri? Well, there's there's actually quite a few. Um, you know, El Dorado Springs uh, in Cedar County, um, they have this beautiful little city park built around their spring with all this interesting rock work, a lot of cave rock, you know, incorporated into it. And it, it's really a cool cool little place, you know. So there, we have places that sort of celebrate their past as spa communities and, 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 and then uh, Excelsior Springs, you can still go up and, and uh, drink at the uh, world's largest water bar at the Excelsior Springs at, the, uh, at, at this really cool Art Deco building up there that was built back in the 30s. So, you know, we have communities that, that, that really promote their past as spring communities. Um, and then lots of them, though, that are uh, totally gone. You can't even find out where they were. Um, but we also have kind of in between some areas that have some significant remains, artifacts, uh, places where you can still see old bathhouses or foundations of buildings or you know, there's there's rock walls and 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 place in places where you can see where this spring, you know, once was part of sort of a it was kind of a central feature of uh, of their landscaping and of their uh, you know design of this community. So um, you know, we've got the we've got you know all of those things in Missouri, which makes it again very interesting. Um, I would like to see, and I made this point in the book. Uh, Healing Waters book that I would really like to see some efforts at preservation on some of these sites because they are, uh, you know, slowly fading away and um, they're, they're pretty important to some of the local people, but hardly anybody outside that area knows anything about them. And so yeah, places like Shoto Springs, which was up just uh, south of I-70 in Cooper County, uh, where the old swimming pool is still there out in the middle of this big open area, grass areas, the old remains of the old swimming pool and the spring still uh, wells up inside a tile <laughs> right there on the site. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's worthy of some effort at historic preservation, interpretation. Uh, it would be nice for Missourians to be made more aware of this really important part of their, uh, you know, uh, past the, the environment that you know we enjoy here in Missouri and things so um, that's something I would kind of hope would come out of you know interest in these healing waters is is some some uh, efforts toward that now thinking about springs and, and you've visited and written on many of them for listeners who might be interested in recreation as we get warmer weather hopefully in you know, an outdoor trip or just natural beauty what is a spring or maybe even springs that you would recommend to them well, there's there's a there's a lot of big beautiful springs in the Ozarks, you know, um, and uh, there's actually some nice springs in North Missouri too. They're usually small, but um, you know the, the the big big spring, for example, the big spring in Missouri um, puts out over twice as much water as St. Louis uses St. Louis's public drinking water supply in a day. That spring puts out more than twice as much water as they use in a day in St. Louis. That's a lot of water, you know, 380 million gallons a day, you know, is a lot of water. 
And Big Spring ranks among the high, biggest springs in the world. And so, you know, that's uh, an amazing thing just to come and see that water, you know, come pouring out of the earth. You know, it's just an incredible sight. Um, so, you know, everybody needs to see that. And, and Greer Spring, which you can now hike to down a trail, it's, oh, maybe a mile or, or so. Um, and it's a, you know, kind of a steep, steep uh, trail coming back out of there. But I think it's probably one of the most beautiful springs in Missouri. Um, and, uh, you know, just to see the power of that water coming out of the ground down there, uh, it doubles the flow of the 11 point river where it goes into the river there. You know, it's, it's, it's a huge, it's Missouri's second largest spring. And then, you know, the ones that are just a gorgeous blue color, blue spring on the current river is an amazing blue color. It's almost unbelievable. You know, the, the depth of that blue tint to that water and you know uh it's been dived it's deep it's you know something like 300 feet deep at the orifice there um roaring river spring is a really cool spring down in the southwest part of the state and divers just recently went down uh deeper into that spring than they've gone to into any spring system in missouri uh so far uh in my spring book i write about the deepest spring being Cannonball Spring, which is buried under Lake Wapapello now. Divers can go down into it, but nobody else. Uh, but, uh, you know, those springs have great recreational value, too, because they sustain the flow of the 11 Point River and the Current River. And, um, you know, they're also just amazing, you know, uh, amenities to have uh, in, our, in our national parks and in our state parks and things like that. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's lots and lots of small springs that are, you know, really beautiful. A lot of them are on private property, you know, so it's not always possible just to go look at them. Uh, but there's also a lot of uh, nice springs in city parks and places like that that people can visit. And, uh, you know, um, there are springs that are of historical interest, like uh, the Spring at Liberty. Missouri. I have a picture in the book of that. That town was founded around a spring, and um, you know it's in a, encased in a in a in a concrete vault now or a rock vault, and uh, so you can't really see the spring. But it was, you know, very important to the settlement of that city. So you know, I I really like the idea of spring tourism. I think that you know more people should get out and see these springs. Um, especially since we're losing springs uh, and, you know, um, we need more people to not only see the springs, but appreciate them and understand the value of those and, you know, work to make sure they don't get polluted, that they don't get destroyed, that they don't get, you know, developed over or degraded in some way. Thank you very much for the conversation and, and, and for joining me today. All right. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for listening to the R Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri.